0: This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with Adam Gold. Don't forget that you can download or subscribe to our podcast in the iTunes or Google Play Stores or listen to WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. Now here's your Canes Corner Podcast host, Adam Gold. Who's tired? Welcome to the, I guess a postseason wrap-up of the Canes Corner Podcast. Adam Gold. Alec Campbell. Is this the first time that you and I have done this together? No, we've done it a couple of times. Why didn't
1: I remember that? Because the season has felt like it was (laughs) 10 years long. Like, remember, this started back last year, basically in September. And Mm. so now we're nearly to the sixth month of 2019. We're midway through May. And so it feels... like it's been a long time but it has been a while since i've joined you on the podcast but i think it's been i think i did it twice this season this will be my third time so thanks for having me it
0: feels it feels like the first time all over again well (laughs) touched for the very first time that's a good thing i guess yes it is a great thing uh are you tired are you as tired as I am?
1: Uh, I'm, I'm mentally tired. Oh, yeah. I would say we, that. Nothing I mean, we
0: do with hockey is physically taxing. Yeah,
1: I mean, that's the thing. Like, <laughs> every individual, like, it, it's, it's a weird thing and, like, borderline uncomfortable to talk about because it comes off as if you're complaining. Oh, no, no. Yeah. And that's not really the case. Like, an individual day covering the hurricanes isn't that physically taxing, Mm-mm. right? I mean, basically what happens is, We get up in the morning, we look at our computers for a little while in a climate-controlled room, then we show up at the rink and we sit around for another 45 minutes and we sort of just yak about things, maybe about the team, maybe otherwise – we watch some guys skate around a little bit, trying to figure out who's on a line. And then when the Hurricanes uh, PR man, Mike Sunheim tells us we can go into the room, we saunter our ways into the room at a very slow pace. So nothing is physically taxing about this gig, right? There are some long hours involved in the sense that, like, from the time we go to a skate to the time the game is over, it's a very long day, and there's a lot to think about and a lot to process during those during that time. But it's not really that taxing. That said, when you do that day, every other day, for <laughs> now, what is it? I mean, how many months have we gone since the middle of September until now, with the yeah. with a three round playoff run? It's mentally, it's mentally taxing. It's mentally tiring. I'm,
0: I'm, in a way, I'm glad I didn't travel for the first two series of the playoffs, Be- <laughs> because. Uh, you know the 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 Washington thing that would have been two weeks of every single day. I mean, it was anyway. But uh, I wasn't uh, physically away. Uh, by the way, yesterday I got to PNC Arena at ten fifteen in the morning. Mm-hmm. They had th- there was no skate. Media availability was at ten thirty. Uh, I was going to leave there, go to the gym, and then go back. Except by the time I got done doing everything I needed to do for for the game, it was already. Like quarter to 12, and there was just no way to get to the gym, get back and get to where and get everything done for the show. So I was at PNC Arena from 10:15 a.m. to 1: a.m. last night. The, how often have you th- just kind of like it struck you that this, this entire thing was so improbable, mm-hmm. just from a statistical standpoint. You know, we, this is what the NHL tells you. And I'm not talking about physically tells you, but if you go back and you look every single year, by Thanksgiving, you pretty much know who's in the playoffs. The teams that are inside the playoff line by Thanksgiving with maybe one or two exceptions a year. And this, you can go back 25 years in the NHL and that's essentially the case certainly by christmas time basically the 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 cake is baked the playoff cake is pretty much baked maybe there's a team and usually if you are outside you're like 1 point 2 points 3 points outside on new year's eve going to the game against philadelphia I don't know if the Hurricanes were dead last. I think they were second to last. They were 10 points
1: out. I think St. Louis was 11 points out.
0: Right. I mean, it was bananas what happened from that point until the end of the season and then that it ends in the conference finals. I mean, it's just... I don't even know how you really explain, how you wrap your mind around that whole thing.
1: Yeah, I mean, for me, the whole season is... I've said this before but it's just it's a bunch of a bunch of chapters. I mean I think that's what makes the season so cool is the way that it all sort of unfolded because there are so many things to look back on. I mean there are tons of storylines when it comes to where the team was. I mean you you talk about knowing by Thanksgiving. I mean this team then after Thanksgiving went 3-8 and 1 in right. December and you know, was even further away from that. You wrote about it. I talked about it. I fielded emails about uh, long soliloquies about why this team should go ahead and call everybody up. So I think from that standpoint, yeah, it's all very surprising. What, what was their record in the last
0: 45 games of the season? 31, 12, and, and two. 2. Right. I mean, that's insane. <laughs> they went from two points under to 19 points
1: over. I mean that's an insane run. Yeah, it's an insane run, and so there's that. But I also think about last year when the season ended, and we talked about, and you go through the list. You know, we're gonna do it this year too. What does this team need? What do you do in the off season? Mm-hmm. And basically, they needed a lot of stuff. I mean, you would just run down the list and go, yeah, they need that, they need that, they need that. So you weren't sure how they were going to fulfill those needs. Mm-hmm. And I think the three big things they needed were more goal-scoring talent. They needed more physicality in their lineup, more thump, more sandpaper. Mm, grit. You know, grit. I like sandpaper. Sandpaper, yeah, classic hockey terms. And they needed, at minimum, league average goaltending. And essentially, when last offseason started, I mean, we didn't know how that was going to turn out. Like, yeah. And even if they go and get those people, do they end up being those types of players? Also, we're banking on a bunch of young players like Sebastian mm-hmm. Aho to turn into the player we all think he is. So there's just all these like open question marks, right? And then then you make the deal for for Dougie Hamilton, and all the things about him come out, and you know it's it's oh he's kind of a weird guy, and he's been you know bumped out of two cities already. So what are we really getting getting into here? And he has a terrible first half of the season, and we're all just like, okay, this didn't work out, and who won the trade, and blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. And meanwhile, Bill Peters is crushing up in Calgary, and Jeff Skinner's just blowing up in Buffalo. He scored
0: 100 goals this year, didn't he? and
1: all those things. So, you know, aside from the run they went on, there were so many question marks, you know, about how they were going to fulfill all the needs they got. Goaltending, you know, Peter Mm -hmm. Morozik, that's a – I mean, yeah, it's just a one-year deal, but that's still kind of a big chance they took on a guy for him yeah. to become – I mean, based on what we've seen from him in the last couple of years, right? Um, and, you know, even, even now looking back, and there was a piece on this on The Athletic the other day by Justin Bourne, I think is his name, who was talking about the league average goaltending part, and that's essentially what the Hurricanes got. I mean, they were 14th, I think, in the league right. in terms of overall goaltending which
0: is right in the middle. That's well, that's basically average. The number was league average, 905 save percentage. Mm-hmm. The Hurricanes, 906. There you go. And that's, that's what they that's got. A, that's enough. But relative to what right. we had seen, that looked really great. Do you want to know the numbers from last year? <laughs> I mean,
1: I know that it was like dead last.
0: It was dead last. League average was uh, 908 save percentage last year. The Hurricanes were at 893. Yeah, I mean, 15, like point zero one five below league average.
1: I mean, it was abysmal. Lot. It was dreadful. Yeah. Right. And, yeah. and th- the Darling thing was still lingering too. Like, you know, there was all the hype around it. That seems like moons ago. Right. When that was the story last year was t- Darling's workout regimen. You know, he's moved into a house. He's they got tried. his dog. He's got right. his girl. Like, <laughs> he's eating. Uh, yeah, he's eating Halo ice Halo. cream. <laughs> right <laughs> everything's everything's a go and then he had then he had the 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 good preseason you know and, and, it, and, then, and then he got hurt and then he got hurt and, and that was
0: a, maybe the turning point in carolinas season. I mean exactly so just <laughs> just
1: another like piece of the se- of the season so yeah man it was all super improbable I mean it was all it's all super surprising and then they go on a three round playoff run it was insane
0: uh, uh, just to address the three things you talked about the goal scoring the grit And uh, the goaltending, real quick. Um, They scored 18 more goals in the regular season this year than last year. (laughs) I mean, that that number, that's not a significant number, really. No. Except that their goal scoring was pathetic. Right. In 2018. Right, it
1: happened in a condensed portion of the season.
0: And then their goal scoring, they were like the second highest scoring team in the sport. Uh, I guess all of these things are behind Tampa in the second half of the year. So it was, it all came together at the right time. And, I mean, it's one of those things you cannot ever predict because statistically they really just look like a garden variety NHL team. Uh, the goaltending, the way it fell, fell together is remarkable because I remember when they signed Peter Murazik, who had a disastrous year last year. I mean, he had a big contract with Detroit. Detroit couldn't wait to get rid of him. They traded him to Philadelphia. Philadelphia thought, well, maybe we catch lightning in a bottle. They put him in the game, put him in a couple of games. Made a, I think he made a playoff start and was dreadful for Philadelphia. Like, all right, this guy can't play. And then he essentially throws himself at Don Waddell. And I remember talking to people around the league after they signed Peter Mrazik, and the general consensus was that Carolina has now cornered the market on substandard, unreliable goaltending between right. between Darling and Mrazik. And I'm not, I was, I'm not knocking anybody's assessment because honestly, that's what Mrazik was over the last couple of years. He saw he had a great year like four years ago for Detroit, signed a big contract, and his play steadily declined. Who knows what that is? He's only he's only 26. His junior career was stellar. I mean, he proved to be a great goaltender, great goaltending prospect, and started off really well, earned a contract, and then it down the hill. Um, but the Mrazic who played in the second half of the year, he was good in the first half. It's was fine. It wasn't there wasn't anything wrong with Peter Murazik in the first half of the year. But in the second half of the year, that Mrazek was spectacular. Now I don't know what to make of him. To be honest, I don't know, and we'll we'll talk a little bit later on. About what this team might look like going forward in, in certain spots, so the goaltending thing. Once Darling proved, and they had to, they had to get him out of the locker room. And I'm not saying that he was a problem within that locker room, but his presence cast doubt. You can't have three goaltenders. You just can't do it. Nobody ever does it in the sport anymore. Mm-hmm. So they had to figure out, figure that out. And Darling was unreliable from a performance standpoint in. Any way you wanted to look at it. All the preseason stuff, they were trying to prop him up, get his confidence going, uh, and I remember his first start. As it turned out, I wrote about it recently because it was against Boston. He gets hurt in the last preseason game. He misses the first month of the season. He comes back against the Bruins, and for 30 minutes he was spectacular. And I thought, okay, is this is is this the new Scott Darling? And then he let in the bad goal. I mean, sharp angle, bad goal, David Pasternak, Pasternak scored. Uh, and you could tell it was over. It all unraveled. Like you're watching, uh, like a fishing reel could just completely unravel. And like the, the lure is gone. And oh, where's, where's all my, where's, where's my line? Right. It's gone.
1: Fish just ran away with the line. <laughs>
0: Everything is gone. And that's what it looked like for me right there for darling. You could tell his head kind of slumped and it was, it was over. Um, the goaltending, uh, rather the uh, the goal scoring, Svechnikov is going to get better. Yeah. Uh, but they did add some goal scoring punch. Some of it went away in the second half. Ferlin did. Furland had one goal in the last twenty one games. Right. He was great for fifteen, and he won't be here next year. I'm almost positive of that. Um. Uh, but the the grit that was part of the culture. Mm-hmm. Right. That was part of just being harder to play against, and the grit. Martinuk. Sacramento-Lennon, as it turned out, midway through the season when he came up, really helped uh, you know, foster that kind of an attitude. Warren Fogle plays a hard game, uh, a gritty, in-your-face game. Brock McGinn plays that. Uh, in a, to an extent, Justin Williams has that kind of game to him. He plays a, a feisty game. Furland, when he was healthy, did that too. Uh, So there is a physical element up front. They don't really have that on the back end, which is a little bit of an issue for me going forward. They don't have that grit in front of their goal because Slavin and Pesci and Hamilton are more finesse defensemen. Mm -hmm. Uh, Falk can play physical. Um, He's probably the only one, though. Uh, I know DeHaan gets a lot of hits, but I don't think anybody is going to confuse Calvin DeHaan for a thumper. Right. I mean, that's just not – I hits are a stat, and they're, they're good. Um, no,
1: nah, he's he's more of like a positionally yeah. sound type guy so, who makes the right play more often than not.
0: All of, to me, the, the grit is the culture, being harder to play against, not b- being resilient, all of that stuff. The goal scoring is – it was there. It wasn't huge. The goaltending ended up being the most – and Curtis McElhinney, who is a metronome. Right. Yeah, I think we –
1: we discussed this a little bit in the aftermath after after the sweep from by Boston, which as we tape this is last night. But that's that's the thing that I think you can bank bank on under Rod Brindamore, where we don't know what's going to happen next year. Just because you've made the playoffs this year and you've gone a certain length into the playoffs, it doesn't guarantee that next year is the same. You know yields the same Mm -hmm. results or even that you even make the playoffs again next year. Right. But the one thing that you know, you're going to get because this team fought for and earned every inch of what they got this year, (laughs) every single part of what they got. I mean, Rod said it in his, in his press conference, they overachieved. They did, which means that they milked everything out of the talent that they have to get to where they are. And, during training camp, the minimum responsibility, the minimum obligation from Rod Brindamore was to come to work every day. Mm-hmm. Come to work, give me everything you got every single day and every game. And that's the only way we have a chance. And they're going to do that for as long as at least Rod Brindamore is the coach of this team. And because of that, they'll play a brand of hockey that is at least relatively palatable because that's it's sort of inherently the name of the game with hockey, right? Like, you, you, you got to be physical. You got to have a certain amount of snarl to you. You know, you got to have a certain amount of battle factor to you in order to play. Yeah, right. like the finesse stuff is there, and there are guys that play that way, and there are certainly guys on the Hurricanes that play more that way than the other way. But at the very least, they were able to even – get some of those guys like the Tavo Terravinans and the Sebastian Aos, to up their battle factor mm-hmm. level you know through, yeah, they through, did through different means you know putting those two guys on the penalty kill and whatnot um so they 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 got that sort of like inherent need for physicality implemented and you know as long as they do that they will be a team that you know you can root for and you can come back and watch and see for yeah. for a long time
0: yeah they, they- what Brenda Moore established this year, I think, is going to be the identity of this franchise, the way they're going to play uh, going forward. I, 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 I do have my, my one concern because we know that they want to add uh, a top six forward, uh, somebody who you know they can plug into the lineup, and you know might even get them twenty five or so goals uh, and add to the offensive punch of this team and hopefully improve the power play. I don't want to talk about the power play; the power play is depressing. Uh, although it's not nearly as depressing as the penalty I'm kill. I'm tired the of talking about I am, the power I, play, to be I honest am, with you. I am too. Um, but the, my only fear is that it, it almost limits you, because of the way this team is going to play, whichever forward you trade for. Uh, for instance, it's, I'm only using this as an example. I don't mean this as an indictment of the player because he's so young. Remember when all the talk was trade for uh, William Nylander? hmm Does William Nylander play a way that fits on this team? And I don't know that he does. So what good is that, right? What good is adding a player like that if he's not going – if he's not suited, suited to play the way – Rod Brindamore wants this team to play. Now, there are certain players that you make exceptions for an incredible level of talent. Except that I don't know that you can't – A, you can't have both. And I do think that it's hard to ask – That that's why Jeff Skinner wasn't a fit here. I was just going right? to bring that up. That's why Jeff – that's why it's a
1: good trade. I mean, here, here we are talking <laughs> about this team's need for more goal scoring – and yet they were more than willing to give away a guy who was one of their better goal scorers.
0: Right. They basically ended up with. Because uh, he didn't fit in the team concept. A second and a third. Right. <laughs> because the the, the player they, that they got back, Cliff Pooh, is not really a prospect, as it turns out. Not n- well, Certainly not a, a top nine NHL player. Well, I mean, he was demoted.
1: Right. From <laughs> AHL to ECHL. Yes. He's just, in the middle of the season. He's
0: just not really, uh, as it turns out. So, yeah, it's. It makes it a little bit more difficult when you add. So, I guess the hope is to add maybe, and and I've already talked to Don Waddell about this, I think the, the general hope is that a player they add would be a center who wouldn't necessarily have to be a goal scorer, but would be a bona fide number two or number three center who could legitimately play and add to your top nine. Now, I'm not saying that they would do this, but a Nasim Kadri would certainly lengthen Carolina down the middle. Whether he's a three-center or a two-center and you move Jordan Stahl down to three, regardless. They, they need somebody that they can plug in in the middle, which would allow Martin Natchez to play the wing on a regular basis. They also need right shots. Mm-hmm. I mean, I don't think we can overlook in some of the offensive issues when Carolina had more players on the ice than the op- opposing team. <laughs> I'm not going to say that word. Has <laughs> the to man do, advantage. Right, yes. Has to do with the fact that everybody on the team, other than uh, Justin Williams, among forwards, was a left shot. I mean, that has to be something. It can't be, it can't be a complete non-factor. Now, I don't know that it makes the difference between uh, converting at a 10% rate and a 20% rate. I'm sure that's not the case. But I think it has something to do with it. Uh, I know Rod uh, has wanted for a long time uh, two left-handed centers and two right-handed centers. And they had only left-handed
1: centers. Well, The the center part, I think, is, you know, that's another thing that we talked about at the beginning of the year. And look how they... Look how they got through it.
0: I don't think, if you asked Rod Brindamore right now. Down the middle. How did you guys survive down the middle uh, through the middle of February until Jordan Stahl returned with what amounted to no experienced NHL centers? I mean, we we were worried about it even when
1: Jordan Stahl was there at the beginning of the year. Right,
0: he was the only one. He was the only experienced uh, center.
1: Yeah, essentially we were looking at Sebastian Aho in his first year, which, by the way, the beginning of the year, we even found ourselves questioning whether or not he should stay there.
0: Yeah. R- R- Rod wasn't sure. R- Matter of fact, if, if – because I, I asked him about this, he thought going into the season and even a month into the season that Ajo was better suited as a winger, at least in terms of maintaining his offensive production – And a dynamic, dangerous player on a regular basis. And the game before Jordan Stahl's injury, Ajo actually played the wing. Stahl played center. Ajo played the left side. Taravan played the right side on that top line. So, Moore had already made the decision to move Ajo to the left wing, back to the left wing, because they needed scoring punch. Because they weren't getting it. Stahl got hurt. Aho moved back to center. The rest is history. I mean, it really is because Aho played. Um, even though it's pretty clear that I think he was hurt at the end of the year because he wasn't even taking many faceoffs. Although he started taking faceoffs again in the Boston series, uh, and he did a pretty good job in the uh, in the Boston series in face faceoff circle. But uh, he clearly wasn't wasn't right at the end of the regular season and into the first couple of rounds of the postseason. Uh, but Aho had a pretty good first full year as a center. In the NHL, he'll only get better, um, and I can't wait to see some of the other guys improve over the course of uh, you know next year. What what, what do we expect Andre Svechnikov to look like next year?
1: Oh man, you know, I mean he's he's only going to get better. I think that that goes along with the idea that you are banking on some of the young guys to become you know the goal scorers and the players that. We all thought and hoped they would become. Andrei Sveshnikov is kind of in that boat, simply because he was the second overall pick in the draft last year, and we knew that he was going to be an NHLer, you know, right off the bat, mm-hmm. essentially. And he came a long way. I mean, remember all the stick penalties he was taking in the first <laughs> half of the year? Right. Kid was in the box more often than yeah. he was on the ice. Turns out to be a twenty-goal scorer. Typically, what what happens in a lot of areas not just hockey not just sports but you know I think about I think about you know I think about getting in shape and fitness and a lot of times when you start you make these giant leaps mm-hmm. at first and then once you once you start to hit more equilibrium the the gains as they say become you know smaller and smaller and smaller and they're harder to see and harder to see Sveshnikov's still very young so you know I, I don't know even what to predict from him. I think he's gonna I mean, is a twenty goal scorer this year? Is it unrealistic to think that he'll be a thirty goal scorer in year two next year? No. Is it's not I, unrealistic. I, mean, I don't think it is either. So so I mean, I think that's a possibility for him. Um, but he's a tremendous player. He I love the way he plays. Yeah. You know, because it's it's so it's so direct it's so assertive it's so you know straight to the point like he doesn't he doesn't dance and and mm-hmm. you know meander around and you know waste time you know we see a lot like Tavo Teravine and Sebastian Ajo like to dust it off 600 times <laughs> before they put a shot on net whereas Svechnikov's like straight line speed straight to the net and let me try to make something happen so like that sort of killer instinct in that way you know i think is is awesome and I mean, he, I think he's going to be a star. And I think as soon as, like, may, year three for Sveshnikov, which will be, you know, what, year five or six for Sebastian Aho, you know, Tavo Teravainen will yeah. be in the middle of his deal. Hopefully Martin Natchez comes up and becomes something yeah. for this team. Like, they could have some really fun players to watch. I mean, I, I saw I heard a lot of people last night talking about, or, or, or you know, just through social media and whatever, that Aho. Is what you know Bergeron was a long time ago. Things like that. Um, well, he's a
0: complete player. He's a two-way so, guy, and we saw we saw it ramped up in the playoffs. He's throwing his body around. First of all, he's a lot stronger than people think. Yes, he is. Um, but uh, it's it was fun to watch him ramp up the physical side of his game. I think he'll even get a little bit ornery, more ornery, as he gets a little older. I think. I think you and I talked about it a little bit uh, after as we were just kind of sitting in an empty arena. The, the learning curve, what, what these guys are going to learn, I think, is that the, the playoffs are so incredibly different in terms of the way the game is played mm-hmm. than the regular season. Not that the regular season isn't a physical grind, because it is. But in the playoffs... If you are not prepared, not to, not to be second to the edginess, but if you are not prepared to do it first...
1: Right, to initiate it.
0: Right? Then you're, you, you can't be in a position of constantly reacting. And I do think that you'll see more of that from Aho next year. And I think you'll see... Uh, Slavin may not have that in his personality, and he may not need it. But I think you'll see that from Pesci... Going forward. I think Brett uh, Brett took a lot of strides this year. But just in terms of the forwards, you'll see it from Ajo. Svechnikov already has it.
1: I mean, he he, <laughs> he just doesn't give a damn. I love that. Right. So much. Like he he was he was pushing and shoving,
0: you know, dude to have been in the league for a long time on day one. Look, he got he did get knocked out by Alexander Ovechkin, but we were there. We saw it. It was happening. That was coming. He Ovechkin and Svechnikov were going at each other. For two games and half a period, I'm not saying that what happened had to happen, but I'm not surprised it happened. Right, because they were going at each other, and I that's to me that's the way Svechnikov plays. He plays a little bit of an agitating game, which is perfect. He's built for the playoffs, and I can't wait to see his future. But I think Ahu will take a big step forward. Uh, Tevo Teravainen just needs to do this on a consistent basis. Because what he was in the second half of the year, right after signing the contract, I mean, that's just, that's uncommon for a guy to, most contracts are rewards for what you've done. And in that, Teravon was paid appropriately. He was paid like a guy who's about a 60 point a year guy. But once he signed the contract, he exceeded the value of that. The way I mean, he was a point of game. It's a point of game. He was a plus player almost every night, killing penalties, scoring big goals, uh, playing both ends of the ice, and both of those guys do. I mean, both uh, Aho and Teravainen both do. So, um, I it, I think there is a lot. There's a lot of growth on the players we know will be here, and I think uh, I think that's cool. You have a read on whether or not you think Justin Williams. I've been asked this question twenty times. I know what I think. Uh, Your thoughts on Justin Williams going forward? He is an unrestricted free agent.
1: Yeah, I asked John Forslund about this last night, too. But, I mean, my read has always been that I think he's coming back. I mean, we don't know what's in his head, obviously, how much of a grind this was for him. But, I mean, he was was positively reinforced by his play, too. And Rod Brindamore (laughs) talked about this a few times this year, that he thinks he was he had his best season ever. <laughs> I mean he was a twenty goal scorer for yeah. this team this year, right? Like he was twenty three th- third on the team in points, I think. Yep. So yeah, they brought Justin in to be a captain and to be a leader and to be a veteran presence in the room. And God, what did that do for them? You know, for a team that was was down in round one of the playoffs, had a three nothing lead in round two of the playoffs. You know, it's interesting that those two things turned on, you know, were different because he was telling his team about it from both perspectives mm-hmm. um when they were down three nothing to Boston because he had to he had to basically tell them, listen, teams can come back from a three right. nothing from a three nothing deficit uh when when they were playing the Islanders because he was on a team that did it. But yeah, they brought him in for all of that stuff. But he also proved it. <laughs> so I mean you can't ask for anything better than that. And he probably proved some stuff to himself, too. I mean, maybe not. Maybe he thought all along that he was no, I, he was good I, enough to do that, but...
0: I think you're right. I don't, look, he wasn't their best player this year, but for about six weeks, he was. There's a, there was a six-week stretch in February and March where Justin Williams was the best player on the ice for the Hurricanes, even though Aho was the best scorer I mean, you go through that run, and it's dotted with game-winning goals. Most of his goals came in the third period. Most of his goals came on the power. Like, for the team that couldn't score a power play goal, Justin Williams scored the power play goals. He had nine power play goals. He had nine. uh, Tevo Teravainen had eight. Michael Ferland, uh, Justin Falk, each had six goals on the power play.
1: Andrei Svechnikov had none. Yeah, I just that's want to right. point that out. Well, he actually you, you're doing that. He
0: also didn't get a ton of power play time. No, I'm Svechnikov, and I, I say that in a positive way. Right,
1: he scored no, all of his I, goals right. at even strength, which I think is incredible that that was the case. It
0: really is, and like, there's so much, there's so much room. Like it's the it's the proverbial tip of the iceberg. Right, with him, there's he's going to be. I mean, I don't think it's out of the realm of possibility. He is a 90-point-a-year guy. Might, maybe, that number might be higher because he's a tremendous passer to go along with his his shooting ability. He's a, He's got great vision. Uh, he's also got incredibly quick hands. Um, but w- Williams, again, for about six weeks, he was their best player. Yeah, And I think that he looked quicker. And I don't know if uh, it was just that he got through the season uh, healthy, at least with his lower body and the the the, fa- the fact is that he keeps himself in incredible mm-hmm. shape he really is in amazing shape and it's cuz he trains all year he doesn't he doesn't wait he doesn't take a month off he yeah. won't take a maybe i don't know, maybe this year i don't yeah. know if, what kind of rehab he's got to do but he
1: he's he's kind of he trains himself i mean i don't i don't want to say on the tom brady plan but you know he's not like a big <laughs> weight lifter. Necessarily Is he eating avocado he's, ice cream. He's a pliability type guy, right? Yoga. Like he's a big yoga, yoga guy, yeah. like he swims, right. you know, <laughs> things like that. Which I mean, swimming's an incredible workout. Maybe so there's the, nothing may, wrong with that. Maybe but, the
0: best exercise you can do.
1: Yeah. So that's kind of the way he stays in shape doing that stuff. But you know, like I think he I mean he likes it here. He came back to this area because he mm-hmm. liked it here. He feels a a connection to this team and the organization. He feels somewhat of I think an obligation to bring them back to, you know, the promised land, so to speak. And in some ways he did that this year because um, he was essentially in a, a de facto assistant coach on the team with Rod Brindamore. I mean, no they, question. they essentially, <laughs> you know, they essentially came up with a plan and Justin was the voice of Rod Brindamore when mm-hmm. Rod Brindamore wasn't around. And, you know, it's a his kids are here. He's a golfer. <laughs> he's got so he's got outside interests that you know he can he you can you take care him?
0: of. Have you ever seen him
1: play? No, I've never seen him. I've talked to him about golf a little bit here because when I've I've heard that he's been out on golf courses. I try to get the condition reports from him.
0: He's just next level. Yeah, I he's mean so he's good. and
1: you know who did we talk to the other day? It was Brett Pesci who said multiple times recently <laughs> that Justin's everything. basically good at everything.
0: It's 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 disgusting. Yeah,
1: yeah. <laughs> he doesn't necessarily look it all the time, but. Those guys exist. He's one of those guys, so you know, as long as he still wants to play, he's definitely playing at a high enough level. He obviously has the respect in the room. This is a good place for him. He likes it here. He likes the organization. He's the head coach. Is you know, it's all it all fits for him. You know, when, so as long as he wants to play, I don't see any reason why he wouldn't.
0: There, I've, I've I wrote about it last night. The connection between the coach and the captain. Is really what why what happened happened, um, but it really was, it was their their ability to to click with each other, and it goes back to when Williams played here and and helped Carolina to a Stanley Cup. Rod said then it was the he was the best winger he ever played with. Uh, they became great friends. Uh, n- nobody liked it. We've look we've talked. I talked to Eric Cole did a podcast. With Eric Cole about a month ago, and Cole said the worst day of his professional life. Was the day he found out that he was traded here, and Williams was the re- Williams uh, went in a separate deal, but a related deal. Mm-hmm. Cole was like, "Wait, I'm co- you're gone?" Because they were they're very good friends. And by the way, Eric kind of alerted me to the fact that it was going to happen with Justin Williams uh, prior to the signing. He didn't say Justin is coming back. He goes, "I think Justin would come back." nodding his head right right so look uh when whenever you have ownership of something and i think with rod as the coach and all that he was going to ask of williams there was ownership and it just this whole thing means more to rod and it means more to williams on personal levels than hockey levels and I think it was an easy fit, and as long as Justin can feels like he can play, and I have no reason to believe that he doesn't think he can play, he's going to be here, and I wouldn't be surprised if it's more than one year because he's in great physical yeah. shape.
1: And he looked like he was still having fun, too, Yeah, like all year long. I mean, oh, for the guy who's, quote-unquote, the elder statesman in the room, I mean, he's 35, I'm 35. No, no, I'm 35. He's, 30, he's 37. I'm... He'll
0: be 38 yeah, he, but
1: before next season starts. Just, it's funny how that – 38? Like – how we look at him that way, and he's only two years older than me. Like, that, like I always forget <laughs> that. Like, I'm always in the locker room talking to him, and it's like, oh, here's this guy who feels like he's been around for a long time, but he's only two years older than I am. But that said, he is in the locker room, one of the, old, the oldest guy, amongst all these young dudes, 21, 22 years old, yeah. and he, he still seems like he has a great time out there with all these dudes, right? He's- so. He's a kid. It doesn't seem like to me just from right. just from watching him that he is in a place where he's ready to hang it up.
0: All right, final thing and then we'll uh, we'll wrap this up. Um, and there there will be more podcasts to come. We'll be more focused on specific issues as opposed to just kind of giving you giving you a general feeling as to um, you know what went on and how we all felt about it. And it was f- just It was fun to be a part of it. Maybe we have two more things uh, to discuss. They talk about a culture change. And I hate to bring up potentially, like, bad news. But the culture change only matters, really, if they do it again. So this team, what, what plagued Carolina in the past? 2002, Stanley Cup Finals. 2003, Worst team in the NHL. 2004, nothing. 2005, there's no season. 2006, they go to the Stanley Cup. They, uh, they win the Stanley Cup. 2007, no playoffs. 2008, no playoffs. 2009, Eastern Conference Finals. Then nothing. They got to make the playoffs next year. Mm. <laughs> I mean, in order, it's sort of like, remember the old skins game? Where you'd win a skin, but if you, if you uh, lost the hole the following hole, you didn't get the skin because you couldn't validate it. Hmm. So that's essentially where this team is right now. Is that next year is vital. Yeah, it's 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 uh, prove it. Yeah, you know, it's it's makes it's make
1: sure this wasn't just lightning in a bottle or this just wasn't mm-hmm. some kind of fluke type right. thing. And John Forzen always says it game to game. He'll say either you got to validate your wins or you got to rebound from your losses, and that's really the the litmus test for how good you are or, or, or how bad you are. You know, if a- anybody can win one game, mm-hmm. right? Anybody can win. Anyone can uh, do it in one season. But can you repeat it over and over and over again? And, you know, that's what we're that's what we're going to find out next year. And I think it's going to be interesting to see how Rod Brindamore, like how he goes about the psychology and the mental part of next year because – and we know that he's a workhorse regardless and he we know what he would do but can he get that across to the players as well like cuz this is this feels like a i mean obviously making the playoffs was the goal and everything after that was kind of gravy but they also went really far <laughs> so that feels pretty good <laughs> like it's it's like wow like this was so Rod Brindamore somehow going to have to find a way to basically tell his team it wasn't good enough. Right. Right? Like, to, to come back in the next season and say, you know, good job, but it don't mean
0: nothing. A little bit like the Seattle Seahawks in Russell Wilson's first year. hmm Right? Yeah. Because every, everything that happened that year was kind of like, wow, that's, that was unexpected. They did come back and eventually won a Super Bowl. So this is this team has to come back, and it's not a it's not just about the team. It's it's validating the business of the team because the business of the team is dependent upon the success on the ice. So they need to do it again. Here's what's going to my quick prediction about what I think will happen: Uh, they they will get a nice bump uh, in terms of season tickets and corporate sales. It won't be massive because there is still that underlying doubt uh, for many people. But you do it two years in a row. You don't even have to have a long playoff run. Heck, make the playoffs, lose the first round. Make the playoffs is important. Now this is what it becomes. It becomes making the playoffs. You do that two years in a row, and then all of a sudden it's three years in a row, and now your, your culture is we're a playoff team every year. Now everything comes back in. It's the one thing they have not, uh, have not had. All right, real, uh, real quick as we, uh, as we wrap it up. The, um, we have an engaged fan base. Mm-hmm. Now, I, I assume that all professional teams do. So And I don't have any experience on a regular basis covering a professional team. Um, but you, you deal with it more than I do. Uh, with uh, aftermath calls, um, it was cool. I f- I found it enjoyable this year. Sure. Of course, I made a New Year's Eve res- New Year's resolution to not argue with Kane's fans on Twitter. Some of them I had to block or mute because um, they were just too annoying. I didn't trust myself. Oh, you did yourself a favor. <laughs> Consider that a health benefit. But tell that, uh, tell well, your health coach that it was cool. We have we have a lot of people who are in their feels right now yeah. about grand meaning. Right. But. It was, uh, it was, I had a like, good time yeah, this year. That And for me, that's all it was.
1: Like, like today, the social media after last night and today, I, I mean, it's, it's a little uncomfortable at this point <laughs> for me. I'm not going to lie. Like it's, it's all these, this team, this city, these fans, this blah. And I'm like, y'all need to calm down a little bit. <laughs> like it's a hockey team. They did real good and that's that's that and it was fun you know cool all of that is true but it's like it's like we people are falling all over themselves about what it what it did for them and what it means and you know the the unification of a of a of a of a of a, of a fan base you know <laughs> and it's just like man like I don't know. Maybe, maybe like, and, and again, like I'm like you, it was cool. Like it was it, like, there are a lot of fun storylines to look back at. It was a great ride when you look back at all of the different things as we sort of laid out, you know, new coach, Justin Williams, captain, you know, no center depth, three, eight and one in December, Don Cherry, bunch <laughs> of jerks. You know storm. Hamilton, the pigs. We storms, didn't even talk about. We this
0: is the first time the storm, storm surge, surge made a, an
1: appearance. Yeah, I mean, there's all these different elements that were sort of tossed into this big cauldron of hurricane stew this year, right? And it turned out to be mmm, chef's kiss, delicious. <laughs> you know, it, it just didn't have the Stanley Cup at the end to uh, to 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 top right. it off. Uh, but and and that's all like cool, but like guys, like towel off you know like (laughs) just let just let's let's all let's all like it it was it's it's a hockey team it was a sports season like we're gonna do it all again next year and that that like i just i got to the point where just reading some of these things over and over on twitter and elsewhere you know i just started to get the creepy crawlies (laughs) a
0: little bit but part of me is really looking forward to september uh, but there's more stuff to do, man. The uh, draft and free agency, and uh, there will be exit meetings and decisions to be made. There's a lot of stuff that's going to happen between now and September. Part of me is looking forward to doing it again, but I don't know, man. Well, let, me <laughs> ha- well, let me ask you this: though. I mean, I- I'm going to, uh, as long as uh, as long as they want me to do it. Because as much <laughs> as you know, as much
1: as it does give me the creepy crawlies seeing all this stuff. I mean, it was a pretty remarkable thing, all of the different elements that came into this season, the one like the ones I just listed. Right. So is it toppable in terms of all of that stuff? Not just the product and the ice, but, I mean, the, the bunch of jerk stuff and the storm, like all of that stuff, you know, kind of happened organically. Like the players sort of came up with it. I don't know when they came up with it, but they – it wasn't the very beginning of the season, was it? I mean, what the uh the storm surge? Yeah.
0: Did they do it game 1, the or the first time they won? Uh first home game, it was just the Stick raising. The, the clap, no, the clap and then they skated to one end of the ice and no, no, jumped no, and, and but jumped into the wall.
1: That was the first time they won at yeah. home because they lost at home first game of the
0: right. year. Right. No, the first home first home win. First home win was you know, skate into the uh you know and like do almost a Lambeau leap. Yeah, yeah, I remember that. Right, That that was the first storm surge. It developed into something larger uh, as the season wore on. I think the first... Yeah, I think the first reaction everybody had to that
1: was like, cool, but guys, don't get hurt.
0: Right. <laughs> <laughs> like, but then like... they did, I think the first one that was, excuse me, a little bit different was when they uh, lined up in the W and the Dominoes knocked the W down. Mm-hmm. I think that was the first one that was like that. There, look, there were some cool ones, and we could, I, I don't want to go through all of them, uh, but the answer to your question is the only way to top it is to be in the Stanley Cup Finals and win it, obviously. Uh, you wouldn't have to win it. Just getting, taking the next step as a team is the only way to top what this team did because so much of the... Uh, I'm going to use the term "love," <laughs> not to, not to nauseate you with it, yeah. but so much of that good feeling is like intangible things about this team, their relationship with each other, how it translated to the fans, and bringing people back, and uh, the the product on the ice, and all of all of these things uh, that came together to make this this season kind of magical. Is going to be difficult to exceed in any way other than performance on the ice, because I don't think you're going to be able to capture the magic. I know that uh, Tom Dundon wants the storm surges to continue yeah. next year,
1: but will it? Will it have the same? Will it resonate the same way next year? Because you know this. This is similar to an analogy I made, I think, on 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 the on the day on the regular show. The Adam and Joe show was that, like, <laughs> it's sort of like you remember when you were a kid and you would be playing outside, you'd be playing, in, you know, a heated, like, outside game of basketball or game of, you know, football, whatever it was. And then the lunch bell rings and everybody goes inside and they sit down and they eat lunch and they're talking about it. Remember when I made this play? And right. yeah, we're fired up. Let's go out and play after lunch. And then by the time lunch gets over, it's like, yeah, it's just not the same. You go out <laughs> and play, but, you know, it just doesn't last as long. It's not the same anymore. And you know that's why we
0: don't discuss the show before the show. Now that we have
1: this this break (laughs) now between now and and the first time they play a regular season game at the beginning of October, and they win, is it going to feel like they're just copying last season?
0: Well, if it becomes part of your identity, no, then it it won't feel that way. But it's it's just it's not going to be the same. No matter what they do, it won't be the same. The only way to exceed it will be in terms of winning on the ice. Anything else will be, I don't think it's going to feel cheap, um, but it just won't feel the same. It'll, it'll naturally feel different. Like, every team is different. We'll see uh, how they approach it next year. Look, it wouldn't shock me if they didn't do a storm surge after games next year. We'll see how it all plays out. That will be entirely... The decision of the captain. That'll be Justin Williams' decision. As a, but they will do it as a team. So we'll see how, uh, how he does that. At some point this summer, I'll talk with them about it. And I'm sure his answer will be, I don't know. Because it will have to be, what does the group feel like? You know, do they have guys who don't want to do it? Because I'm sure there are guys in the NHL who don't want to do it. Right? I'm sure there are. Yeah. Um, or will I mean, will they still be incredibly young as a team and think it's all fun? Will somebody teach Brett Pesci how to play gu- duck duck goose in the offseason? I hope so. That's a question for him. I'm gonna ask him at some point. We do you know him. the rules to duck duck goose? Well, I mean <laughs>
1: I mean, maybe he doesn't because Brett, you know, like how old is Brett? Twenty uh, two? Twenty one? Twenty four. I mean you know, that was a game I played for <laughs> when I was in school, but I forget that are all he's, so young. He's yeah, he's yeah. thirteen Incredibly fourteen young. years younger than me. Yeah, right. I mean, it will be interesting to see like what kind of new stuff comes out of next year. But it was it was pretty pretty remarkable how all of the things came together this year
0: rest up uh i've just uh, been handed a note that aftermaths next year are two hours long oh
1: okay <laughs> do the games start earlier <laughs> like they can be two hours if the game starts earlier game started four <laughs> okay perfect then i can do that uh, hell we can do three hour aftermaths if that's the case no
0: no we can't
1: Nah, i appreciate <laughs> though everybody you know tuning in and checking out the the storm watches and the aftermaths and the intermissions. If you if you you know happen to be in your car for those, because you know it's- not
0: not to be self serving here. Uh, and we do have to say goodbye because uh, we have to go actually prepare for a radio show. Um, this was, I think, the most thorough job that we have done as a station, as a company, covering the hurricanes. And I don't, I'll be honest, I'm not sure that what happened was the way we thought it would be this year. I'm not saying we didn't do a good job last year. I think we did a good job last year. And I think that we went into it thinking we want to do a as good a job last year this as we did last year this year. But I actually think that we went way beyond that this year, and part of it. Was because the team gave us a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. So if next year isn't as good, blame the team. Yeah, yeah, that's
1: <laughs> that's the truth. <laughs> I mean, it, it, it was fun to have new things to talk about. there especially yeah. during the second half of the season. But yeah, I agree. I mean, <laughs> you know, it was different because we were doing the simulcasts on the radio. Right. So we had to cover the intermissions. So I think. Yeah, you, you, know, you. you with, you with you win an Emmy, well, with yeah, right, or whatever. What
0: do they give you in radio? I, I don't know.
1: <laughs> with you coming in and doing the first intermission and having trip, you know, yep. be, also be a part of it in the second intermission. I mean, it was a pretty, you know, uh, uh, all-encompassing, you know, product. I thought, like, you know, in the storm watch, getting someone from the opposing market on to do a quick hit, you know, all the different interviews that you did with everybody uh, before games and you know and after games as well. It, it was uh it was uh we, we we covered a lot of ground i feel like every no every single day so good job was, by you it was fun man good hey, job by you same to you
0: <laughs> um i'll uh, i'll see you in september can't wait maybe before uh enjoy uh, there'll be more to come it'll be more focused less rambling uh and will you come back again will you do another podcast yeah of course right, fine good uh bye that's this week's Canes Corner with Adam Gold. Download or subscribe to our podcast every Monday during the Carolina Hurricane season in the iTunes or Google Play stores or listen at WRALsportsfan.com and on our WRAL Sports Fan app. And don't forget, for the latest Canes coverage, log on to WRALsportsfan.com. Every game on the Canes Radio flagship. 99.9 The Fan